Hello everyone, my name is Monica Kretschmer and I'm the founder and CEO of the Universal Women's Network, Woman of Inspiration, and this is the Woman of Inspiration podcast, where we're talking to women of inspiration who lead, inspire, and motivate. Today, we have a very special guest, Siobhan Calderbank is here with me. She is our 2019 Woman of Inspiration Award recipient for Diversity Inclusiveness. Siobhan is a Director of Talent Management for the LCBO. And welcome, Siobhan. I'm so excited to welcome you back. This time, we're on a very different platform. This one here is to talk all about you and your journey on this Woman of Inspiration podcast. So welcome. Thanks, Monica. I'm so excited to be here today. This is really great. I know we've had plenty of conversations, both online and offline, and I couldn't be more excited about this interview with you today because we talked on so many important um, topics to do with women, advocating for women, stepping into the spotlight, your journey, your success story. So I want to dive right into that right now. Now, you have a, a title, um, Director of Talent Management, and I know that it's expanded even further beyond that in the past three or four months. Um, so how did you actually, what was your journey like? Um, you know, how did you get to this point? Um, it's a combination of, of multiple events. I say, you know, nothing happens, everything happens for a reason. And it's not a coincidence wherever it is that you land. It's usually a culmination of all of your past experiences, any things that you think, oh, I don't really know why I did that. It all makes sense when wherever you're at. So for me, my journey was with learning and development. That's like my passion point where I've spent many, many years doing learning, but through learning, because you're always teaching somebody something new there's a change that comes involved in that so this is where I got my um, cert like certification in change management of a CTDP which is um, my certified training development professional designation my CMP is like a certified project management professional uh, sorry project management professional it's a PMP and then my C MP is a change management practitioner. So all those three things culminate to, you know, this particular role where I'm looking at talent management. And so that would be around performance management and really the employee experience and making sure that you're managing the talent in the organization, learning and development, which also reports to me. So of course, it's all the fun stuff, learning and training and taking programs to, to develop your growth and your skill set. And then the third element was change management. So organizational change and then part of the my portfolio is diversity and inclusion which has now become more of a forefront because of you know recent events and whatnot but it is like all of my passions in previous roles where I was at um, Intellects as my previous organization working on a lot of DNI initiatives there and as a director of learning and development and prior to that it was a director of change management and before that it was a director of program uh, program management for change management and leadership development um, my master's is in leadership development so I, I love helping others learn develop and grow so this role really just has all the little bits that I'm really passionate about and I love all rolled up into one so it's like how could I say no this is sort of like my calling was to come here for right now and I'm learning a lot the people are amazing the stuff that we're putting out is fantastic so really exciting things that we're doing right now and I'm going to say you're only missing a couple of letters in the whole entire yeah. alphabet behind your name <laughs> to say like A, B, C, D, F, G, C, you know, like it's incredible. Now, I, I just want to talk about your journey. Uh, did you, when you were a little girl, what did you, let's, let's go back to that. You know, okay. we, we have sometimes some listeners that have their daughters listen in and go, you know what? here's some inspiring women that I would really love you to learn from. So I have a lot of moms that are sharing these podcasts with their daughters. So when, do you remember back when you were a little girl, some of the things that really interest you, what were they? <laughs> you know, when I was really, really little, 
I gotta tell you a joke. I actually thought, yeah, I wanna be a princess when I grow up, right? I used to watch a lot of the movies, especially like Disney movies and whatnot. And then I decided, I realized, you know, to be a princess, you'd have to marry a prince and then you have to find this whole prince charming thing. And that didn't really work out too much as we start getting older, right? It's like, this, this is not gonna happen. But what were the elements of why did I wanna be a princess? Well, from what I was watching was all about helping people because the princesses were brave or the princesses were smart and the princesses weren't just there by title, they were actually doing stuff and it was generally to help people or help with people that they were leading. And I really admired that quality. And then as I got older, I wanted to be a teacher because my mom is a teacher. And I thought, oh, this is amazing. Like she gets to teach people all day and help them develop and grow. And that's that light bulb that goes off on their heads when they're like, oh, I got it. That's what I wanted. So I wanted to be a teacher. And then I, as I was going through my career, you know, I really gravitated more to teaching adults than teaching kids. And the truth is adults are just big kids, right? They just, <laughs> they behave very similarly. Uh, but for me, that was more of a calling. And so that's how I ended up with learning and development as my like prime passion and still helping to lead and develop. So the princess, you know, the characteristics of helping were ingrained with the teaching, which is I want to help others to live, learn and lead, lead them to grow so that they can develop themselves. And when that light bulb goes off, I know I did my job. And that that's really what, uh, what, what gets me going. I love that sort of uh, parallel between being a princess and being a, a serving others because that's all royals do is they're there for being their public service. Exactly. So that's that's actually the first time I've ever heard that before. And I have to say what a great spin on that because, you know, being a princess is not necessarily, when you hear that, it's not necessarily aligned with being of service. It's aligned with, you know, being, you know, looked after and, you know, Prince Charming and, you know, the happy ever after, which now we're like teaching kids and, and women to stand up, you know, um, develop your career. Exactly. You know, self-sufficient and and really own your place in society so I really love how you've put that spin on it and I think that's a really inspiring way of looking at it so I'm going to remember that in the memory bank I'm going to share that <laughs> yeah it's not about having people serve you it's about you serving others and that's really the role of, the, of a princess that's what you're supposed to be doing and so when I looked at like really what's gravitating here it's how can I be of service to others how can I help them and that's you know where the whole learning and the teacher all sort of fell into place. It's like, oh, perfect alignment. So let me ask you, what was your educational journey like? I, I talked to a lot of leaders, and you know, some uh, everybody's got a different path. What was that path for you? For me, I wanted to be like Claire Huxtable from The Cosby Show. I wanted to be a lawyer, to be perfectly honest. And when I uh, finished going, I was between a lawyer or going to be an engineer. I didn't really know which one. And it doesn't even, I know they're so like vastly different. <laughs> Very different. So, when you're you know in high school and you're trying to figure out what's my career path i love sciences i took all the sciences and math and my mom's a math teacher so you know it's heavily influenced there too so i thought oh, maybe i'll be an engineer but i really did like constructing arguments i liked um the, the amount of research that was involved in putting together a good case like maybe i'll be a lawyer so i actually served as a tenant duty counsel assistant tenant duty counsel for um uh, some time and this is where you know your clients come to you and they just tell you these stories but they don't give you the full story so you only have a little bit and then you go in front of the judge and you're telling them what your clients told you and then they're like okay that's not true and then it's actually what ends up happening is you find out that the person hasn't told you all the truths or lies sometimes and you're just regurgitating them so when they call lawyers liars it's not really their fault they're just repeating whatever their clients tell or omit from the story and so after facing that a couple of times I'm like I don't want to do this anymore I like I can't I need a, like an honest job that I'm speaking truths all the time so I will just help friends and family if they want to know how to like navigate a contract or read something that's in legalese they don't understand I'll help them no problem but um, I decided I was not going to go down that route after doing like two years as a court tribunal agent so I finished the program but said I, I didn't want to do this 
So I switched back and said, you know what, let's pursue going to be um, in IT because at the time I was working for Rogers and it's a telecommunications company. This seems like it's fun. Let me go get a degree in IT. Right? It's new. So I went back, did that for four years. But in my first year, I had met uh, one of the trainers at Rogers and he was amazing. And I was like, wow, you know, that whole passion of being a teacher was sparked again. And I was thinking, I really want to be able to do that. Like just stand up in front of a room and talk to people about learning something new or inspire them to take action and improve their performance. Like, how do I do that? So this this is where I took all my electives in training and development. So once I graduated with a degree in IT, which most people look at me and they don't think I'm like an IT person. I don't even I don't know what that means. And then I went into training and development. So I had my certificate in training and development, did lots of programs. And with that, I needed some more structure. So project management came into play. So I went and I got my project management certificate. And so now I'm sitting here with like a degree, a degree, diploma, two certificates, uh, as of like a certificate in negotiations for alternate dispute resolution as part of that, that program too. And then I thought, well, you know, a lot of people who are in training get their CTDP. That's a certified training development professional. So you just write an exam and you demonstrate all your work over a period of several years. So I went complete that and got that too because of the project management. And now I'm dealing as an internal consultant. Consultant, and then I switch jobs to be an external consultant. As you're talking to clients, they want to know that you've got some rigor around what you're saying and how you're presenting things. So I thought, you know, it would be probably best if I got my PMP. So I did um, got my, my project management professional designation, which gave me an added credibility now as in speaking to clients. So this is all well and great, but um, as part of an external um, consultant, I was also developing leadership programs. And so as in developing leadership programs, one of the hot topics came up was change management. And this was sort of like just percolating. So it'd probably be 12 years ago as people are talking about change management. I'm like, this is so interesting. It's fascinating how, you know, you learn something new and then people are resisting. Why are they resisting? How do we reduce that so that people are more engaged and they, they actually want to learn and you're starting to pull down some of those barriers? How do you communicate more effectively with them? So I started designing more programs for change management and I thought well it would probably be good if um I, I put some some more rigor around that so I ended up getting my CMP so that's the change management practitioner designation so it's the first um, in Canada to get that from APMG because they're actually more known in Australia and out in the UK so first in Canada and so that was like really neat and then now we're offering this program to other organizations. Um, so I'm like the first member of the Change Management Institute that's Canadian. So that's really neat too. Um, and then I thought, well, you know, I'm still very passionate about the learning and change, but like I want to help others lead better. So this is where the Masters in Leadership came in. So to do that, it was a little bit more tricky. My daughter er, was just born at the time. So I've got like less than a one-year-old and I'm thinking about maybe doing my master's with everything else. I'm separated at this point. So how am I going to now take on a master's and have a baby that's like one year, under one years old? And then I'm thinking about returning back to work. So I have a conversation with my boss. How can I do all of this? He's like, you're nuts. I don't know how you're gonna do it, but I know you and I know you enough to know that if you say you're gonna do something, you'll be successful at it. So he was, he really had my corner. And my mom who also had her master's was like, if this is something you wanna do, I'll support you. I can watch the kids sometimes, well, because you need it to study. And being divorced actually worked as a blessing in disguise because it would be every other weekend, the kids are going. So when they're gone, I can study and I can do my assignments. And I went to school at Royal Roads, which is, I mean, Ontario Rural Roads is out in Vancouver. So we've got a three hour time difference, which allowed me to stay up till three in the morning to submit assignments and get them in. <laughs> so I work all day, come home, get the kids ready, get them in bed. And then I'm on the computer from like nine, 10 o'clock to like three in the morning, reading assignments, typing them up, re reviewing books and everything. So I did all that for a year. I literally, some nights when she'd wake up in the middle of the night, I'd be like lifting her and rocking her in one arm. Like, okay. 
okay, okay. Like, and I'm typing with my other hand, my <laughs> free hand to like, I get it in before 3 a.m. Right? So people did not know. I'm not saying this is easy to do. It was actually pretty tough, but it was something that I, that was inside of me saying I needed to do this. And once it was done, I was so happy because at this point now I transitioned my career to the next level of, of leadership and management, um, moving into the, as a change management director and then the director of learning and development. And now where I'm at, at the LCBO. So everything happens for a reason. It's just, you know, it looks really challenging. And I did forego a lot of sleep. I'm not going to lie. There was nights where I didn't sleep much, but I knew what the end game was and said, I'm, I'm committed to doing this. And if it wasn't for the support, of my friends and family who cheered me along the way and like my mom who would make you know dinners for me and say okay I'll just watch them for a bit so you can finish or take a nap even I don't know how I would have been able to do it so to be or showers <laughs> yeah or showers <laughs> exactly there was like we'd have we'd have calls and I'm like I'm still in my pajamas so like give me 10 minutes to run in the room and like change quickly and come on like online like okay everybody hey, it's time to go <laughs> oh those were fun times <laughs> but I have to say that that is exactly exactly the uh, commitment and the determination and the tenacity that there that you have and that's so inspiring Siobhan because you just uh, that was my next question and you just jumped right into that flawlessly so I think I somehow was like okay you're gonna go there with your child and how do you manage it all because honestly I, I know so many women at a pivotal point in their life that have gone through a big transition and change and divorce is one of them and yeah. Wait, so what do I do next? And I could think of five people on my hands at this given time trying to strategize what they're going to do next. And they have everything behind them, but there's this, you know, they have kids now and now they're a single mom and, you know, how do I make that all happen? So I'm going to be tagging all of them in yeah. this interview because the more support that I think that we can share about the realities and the struggles and the challenges and what you have to do and commit to to make it happen um, is so important but also to say you can do it and I think that is probably so important nobody talks about the struggles we don't see that nearly enough no, and no. we don't talk about you know being in your pajamas until like you know six o'clock because you're full out working or working all night and you know like the real hardcore times and let, I want to ask you a question about that yeah you ever think about giving up um yeah some days it's not how did you get past that I, I always ask myself the one question which is what's the story you want to tell right is it the story that you gave up and you just like after you came so far that you just said I'm done or do you want the story to be, I overcame this adversity, I figured it out, and I can help others by maybe sharing that story. You know, when when I was separated, I remember like I was pregnant at the time and I'm like literally on the floor after I was just throwing up because the pregnancy was kind of tough. And I'm thinking, is what's the story that I want to tell? I mean, I have options here, I could just, just say forget it you know uh, I'm, I'm done I don't know how I'm gonna possibly continue on as a single mom I can I can and people wouldn't be upset with me because they can understand the situation right I already have a son and now I'm gonna I'm about to have a daughter like I could say forget it I'm just I'm done here but I was like well what's the story I want to tell my daughter when she's older that you know I figured out a way to make things work I figured out like who were the right people to connect with who would support me how don't uh, allow the fact that I have a kid to not pursue my dream of education and when people look at oh it's so tough yeah it's tough it's not easy no one said that this is easy I may make it look easy on some days but it's not and then I had another friend who just told me just take it one day at a time because some days are gonna be bad days you're gonna have kids that are throwing up like vomit everywhere projectile I, I have not been warned about that and then it happened so warning anyone who's watching this it happens you deal with all of that then you're dealing stresses from work you're dealing stresses from 
from friends or whatever, and then you, you can't even begin to get to the activities that you need to do that day. And you're sitting there feeling defeated. And all you can do is just like, well, what, what, what's the key things? What do I need to do to survive today? I need to eat, the kids need to eat, and people just, they need to be fed and, and get some sleep, right? Those are your basics. Once that's covered, we'll deal with tomorrow as a new day and we'll start again. And so that's kind of how I had to deal with some days like that. Just one day at a time, what are the basic things that need to be done? Focus on that and tomorrow's a new day and we'll start again. And then if you can't get what you need, call for reinforcements. And that is the hardest thing, especially for me. My personality style is private. I don't want people to know my flaws. I didn't want people to know that I was even going through a separation. I kept it quiet and kept just a really tight circle of maybe like my mom, my sister, my brother and, and my dad, Like, but I didn't want people to know. But then when you are vulnerable enough to open up and share the stories with some others, like your friends, they're not, not there to judge you, they're there to help and support you. And I find oftentimes as women, because we don't want to talk about what's going on, we want to make everything look like it's perfect and, and it's great. We forget that by sharing those stories, we're allowing others to play the part of support for you. And there's a joy that comes in being able to do that. And we take away that opportunity if we don't allow others to know or to be there for us. So overwhelmingly, I had some great friends that were very supportive, even if it's just a call and just cry or if it was to give me words of encouragement or send me a text or whatever. And those things helped along the way when you're having those tough nights of not being able to take a shower because you have to get like stuff done or you know, you're sacrificing sleep or to eat just because there's deadlines that have to be met and there's children that still need to be dealt with. So being, you know, going through that divorce is very difficult. And I think the hardest part of it all is your confidence levels. Um, and feeling like, like, why me? Why is this happening to me? Did I do something wrong? What could I have done differently? And maybe there are things that you could have done differently, but sometimes there's like, it's out of your control. It doesn't, you could have been the perfect person and things still could have went wrong. So getting that sort of twisting that in my brain saying it's not to blame myself, it's just to move forward. Like I can't change who he is. I can't change um, the past, I can only change my reaction to it and how, what I choose to do about it. So stop dwelling on that. Let's just go future forward and what we can do and get the right people to support you through that process. And I think that's that was really key. And once I could start seeing things changing of, uh, in, a, in a positive way, then, you know, there's like momentum that starts being built, but it, nothing goes without hard work. And, um, and for any woman who's gone through a whole divorce, who's gone through post that and, and still succeeded in their career, whether it's an entrepreneur or working for somebody, they know that it took a lot of work to get there and they should be proud of the accomplishments that, that they've achieved to get to the point that they are right now. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Actually, a woman, a woman, a woman. Right. <laughs> I, I, I'm just like, I love you so much. I love your authenticity. I love your vulnerability um, sharing this because this is really what we need to be sharing more of. And I have to ask that, do you think that your you know, we look at what we've all been through with COVID over the past, what, 16 weeks? Yeah. Um, all of the tests that we've, each and every one of us, it's impacted everybody around the world. Now, do you think that your experience and your adversity has actually prepared you for this moment? Um, I would say from a resiliency factor, yes. Because, you know, you, you, when you go through a lot of change, you learn to adapt quickly. Now, what we're all experiencing is a massive disruptive change on a global scale, which there's not a lot of things to parallel that too. So, but being able to, to step, step back and say, okay, well, what's the positive in this? What can I, what can, parts can I control? 
So, you know, I'm pro probably like most women who are, who are still working, you're working like 14 and 16 hour days as opposed to your nine to five. And what are the impacts does that have on your kids or family or dependents or whomever it is that you is in your circle? You know, once I've gone through all of those past experiences, I've learned that I need to focus on some of the positive and still carve out time to spend with my family. And that's the hard part too, especially when I'm up late working and up early working, but they're still like, hey, it's Saturday, why are you still working? Yes, I know. But then I'll carve out some time and say, okay, this is all about you. What do you want to do? Do you want to watch a movie? Do you want to go outside in the hot tub? Do you want to go for a bike ride? Like, what is it? But it's all about you for right now and make them like feel that and know that. I think with, with COVID, there's just so much other um, moving pieces that it is very difficult, especially for people with their mental health. So if you've gone through depression, if you have, if you're feeling isolated and, and even for people who went through the divorce would have felt all of those emotions too. So, you know, it does prepare you for that, but on a different level. And then you, you have to use that strength, those courages, those, those experiences to help push you to move forward and to reach out to others, the same support network, just, you know, reach out to them because they too need support. And they're going to now be looking for you to help talk to them and keep them motivated and inspire them to look past the present situation there. It, it does get better. And sharing your stories of overcoming adversity helps others too to see, okay, it might look a little bit bad, but we're, we're all going to get through this together. Mm. I love uh, how you're saying about the sharing the stories. And I, I, that actually leads me into my next um, piece of our conversation here, which is to talk about elevating women and celebrating our successes and, you know, kind of looking back at our journeys and stepping into that spotlight. So my question for you is when you were nominated, if you can remember that time when you got your notification about being nominated for a woman of inspiration, yeah. award, how did that feel? It was one of the most incredible feelings ever to be nominated. Like when I went through all of the profiles online to see who else is nominated for this. And I'm like, wow, like look at all these people, look at all the stuff that they've accomplished. Like I'm actually nominated with them too. And then to win the award, I was bawling like my eyes out. I couldn't believe that this was happening to me. And, and that was, it was a, a, a moment I will never forget when I heard my name, like, no, like you did, you won this, right? Like, oh, wow, I can't believe it because there's so many talented women there who have different stories, different experiences. They come from different backgrounds. And it was just an honor to even be nominated, much less like receive uh, the award in, in the area of diversity and inclusiveness. So let me ask you this next question because I go through this every single year. There's women that are being nominated and then they're like so excited, but they're scared to share in their networks for fear <laughs> of looking like they're bragging or, yeah, I you know, uh-oh, the, the spotlight's on me. Uh, I'm I well deserving of the award and the, and the nomination, but I, that's not comfortable to me. So how did you get past that? That was a hard one, I'm not gonna lie. I was scared to like put it out because in the back of my mind, I'm wondering if I'm good enough. And that's like one of these things that I think a lot of women are constantly worried, am I good enough? And it translates in multiple areas of our lives. So to see other women putting up their nominations and, and just being proud of just being nominated, said, okay, I could do that too, right? <laughs> so there was a little bit I needed the support of the others to see them putting it up, which made me feel a bit more comfortable, like, okay, I can do this too. It did feel uncomfortable writing it and putting it up, and then you're waiting for like the first like. <laughs> <laughs> Will somebody even like this thing? Um, you did like it, so thank you. <laughs> and, then, and then when you see more people then start saying, oh, this is fantastic, you know, and then people who I hadn't talked to in years were like, I always remembered when you you were this type of individual and, and you used to help others and I could totally see you doing this. And then the, the affirmation comes and then it doesn't, you're not feeling like you're bragging, you're, you're getting the validation 
of you, you've achieved a lot to where you are. So I think the scariest point is just actually typing it up. Once you press the send or, or submit, then it goes out into the me social media universe. At that point, then it you will get people coming back and validating, you know what, you did work really hard. You should be acknowledged for this. And, and that's a really great feeling too. Amazing. And I, I do believe that the reason and the reason why this whole program was built is, you know, I, I share my story, how I'd built it to honor a special woman that stepped up, that was inspiring to me, that believed in me. And she was not comfortable stepping into the spotlight at all. Like she's like the least person that would step into the spotlight. But if I did not acknowledge her, um, it, it, it people could not follow in her footsteps, right? People couldn't see the remarkable job. And it's just like every single nominee that goes through this, it's like, wow, look at all that work that you've done. You managed to go to school. You managed to do this while you're a single parent. I mean, that's phenomenal. And those are the things that we learn from. So somebody else guaranteed lots of people are going through this at the exact same time. This is exactly what they need. So thank you so much for being so open and honest about that. Um, because it truly is, is life changing. The ripple effect is, you probably don't even know the ripple effect, to be honest, <laughs> about your presence and about you sharing everything. I mean, it's going to continue to roll and roll and roll like the waves. So I guess my next question is to find about the, you know, so we did the awards and I still remember being on stage and, um, <laughs> you know, being able to, I was so excited because I've built a relationship with each and every one of our nominees over the <laughs> months. And it was so exciting to actually meet everybody in person. And that's at a time we were able to hug, you know, like, yeah. I mean, gee whiz, you know, it, times changed in the past three months, but be able to hug you and, and meet you and be able to celebrate. It was so special for me too, to see that, that fire um, come out of everyone there in the room. And what I loved the most was that everybody was so supportive of everyone else. Mm -hmm. So the relationships that we built between the women that were nominated, all of them, it yeah. was remarkable. And it's so unique, I think. Absolutely. It was, it was a really great experience, even just being able to meet the other women and being able to uh, network with them, hear their stories, even that in and of itself is quite inspirational. So now my next question to you is, so after the awards wrapped up, I know you have a huge laundry list of all these amazing things that you've <laughs> So let's, what has happened after you were awarded 2019 Woman of Inspiration? Um, well, I was featured on the cover of Women Entrepreneur for how leaders influence and lead, which was really neat. And that was like, um, I think it was just before, just after I was nominated. And then like later on in the year, this Women Entrepreneur had also had like a voting. So I was voted top 10 inspirational entrepreneur women entrepreneurs so that was also really great because now I'm because I was helping other entrepreneurs too with their businesses and, and whatnot then I was featured in a recognized as a learning leader by the Institute for Performance and Learning and I was the universal uh, sorry, featured on the 10 most influential business women to follow as of 2020 by Insights Magazine. So that was just last month. Um, Congratulations on that. It was a beautiful cover, wonderful piece. Yeah, that was like- And a surprise, I-, I, I It was. Yeah, because I was just, I just thought that I was only going to be on the, like a, like a story on the inside and then woke up in the morning and was like, oh, I'm on the cover? What? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> it, it's awesome. But even in between that, I've had opportunities to speak at so many other events. So people have now approached me for speaking engagements, paid and non-paid. I've always been one for giving back. So I've spoken at like Avante Women. Um, I have had the opportunity with the Whitby Chamber of Commerce. Um, you know, the City of Toronto has called and asked. Unfortunately, the timing just didn't work out. But it's great that people are calling and asking for me to come and speak and to also engage with other women. Through that time, I've also been able to recreate and rebrand my mentorship program, so I call it Butterfly Ladies, which is focused on mentoring women and youth. 
at different stages because what I was happening before I was even nominated was I had a few people asking me to be their mentor and more people even after being the woman of um, inspiration and with so many people asking about like can I can you mentor me you know there's only so much I could do in terms of my time but I'm thinking there's so many women how do we connect other women to be mentors so we came up with the concept of the butterfly ladies which I had from before but it was just more on training and like how do I expand that bit more so now we have it with mentors so the monarch mentor or is it like the that would be the person who's mentoring but butterfly lady is the mentee and now that we can connect them through my LinkedIn connections of people that I know in different positions how can you help these individuals some of the things that the women were saying was you know I, I want to be able to attend training but I can't afford it so what do I do well hey that's my wheelhouse so I've got a whole bunch of programs that I already deliver to so many other people why can't I help the women that need the help so we offer now the leadership mentoring program where to do we have uh, training programs to develop just for women on how to better their communications how to, to deal with resiliency how to um, influence others and negotiate so all of the build your brand so all of these programs are now being offered for the, the butterfly ladies who choose to sign up and um the the last point was i was finding was like a lot of the visible minorities too were feeling like they didn't have somebody that they can look up to so as uh, a woman of inspiration i felt you know i have a response ability to help them so much I while all women are welcome to be a butterfly lady I do well I will work harder with the visible minorities because I know that there's another level that they also experience of in their career that they may need just a little bit more help or a little bit more confidence boosting I'm not saying that's not for all women because they we all need it but there's other challenges that visible minorities face that they may need an extra level of care consideration in, in helping them to be able to get to where they need to be. Um, so between all of that, I don't even know. And then I got promoted from being uh, the director of learning and development over to now talent management with a much broader platform and, um, and, and different departments now reporting to me and being able to help others learn, develop and grow. So it's all just been wonderful news in the last, like that's a year or so just based off of this nomination alone. So thank you. You are so welcome. And I love to hear it. I love to get what I was so excited to get the email that you shared um, with me and the Facebook post. And it just kept on going. I kept reading and reading, reading. <laughs> Amazing things have happened because it, it's really that effective. And I think that, you know, that that validates everything that I work so hard for when I see that happening for other women. So that just brings me so much joy. I just can't even, I get all excited and bones chilled and all that stuff because uh, when other women are going, should I complete that package? Oh yes, you should. Right. Uh, it's nothing and it's lengthy and it's long. It's gonna take some time, but I gotta tell you nothing in life, right? That is worth having does, it doesn't, it's not just handed on a plate to you. You right. have to work for it. And it, it feels so good when you do achieve something that you worked for. So anyways, um, thank you for sharing. I am really, really happy that you shared that with our audience today because I know that there's somebody listening and kind of going tapping and going, I know I should get that package through. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, I know I should like be, yeah. Yeah. yeah, most recently it was actually just nominated uh, two days ago, like for the top 100 black Canadian women to watch for. So that even of itself is like huge. So, you know, being nominated is an honor enough. So we'll see what ends up happening later on this year as it relates to that too. Well, you just let me know if you need a letter of support. <laughs> I will, thank you. I know that's really important. When we look at how we can support women, we can support one another. It's, you know, share their successes, um, support them, introduce them to somebody else. Um, write a letter of support for them, nominate them, you know, all of these great things that, you know, uh, invest in their companies, of course, but it, there's all of these other little things that we can do that every single person can take a piece of. So thank you for sharing that with me and nudge me if you need that letter, because I'd be happy to do that. Um, I want to talk about something important. Um, of course, over the past couple, well, it's been about three weeks now, um, you know, Black Lives Matter. 
And so I want to touch a little bit about that and what we're doing as an organization. Super excited. We're going to just plant the seed and do a little bit of announcement here <laughs> of what we got planned. But, you know, so heartbreaking that it's taken yet another tragedy in the world to make change. So, you know, and since that has happened, I know that you shared a little bit of about, you know, how it's been for you as a black woman and some of these the racism that you experience daily. So maybe you can share a little bit about that with some of the audience. Because I think it's really important when you say that you, um, you know, you work harder to support visible minorities. I want people to understand, and we have to educate people on that. I need to be educated more on it, um, what that means to be a visible minority. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, when you're talking amongst your peers, whether it's at work, I'm talking to you, um, or people who know me, they, they know me as a professional. They know me in my role, they know me for what I do. But outside of what I call the bubble, and if I'm just walking down the street randomly, people don't know who I am. And as far as they're concerned, all they see is a black woman just walking here or behind the wheel if I'm driving or if I'm in a store, then they may they start following me around. I mean, I'm not even dressed like like a like all dressed down or anything like that. I'm still dressed nicely, but they're still following. And I don't even understand what the why that is happening. But it is uh, an annoyance <laughs> on one level because it's like why and then the other after a while it just becomes the norm when i'm i remember an incident that i shared with you before that i'll share with everyone else is driving in the car with my kids and being pulled over and i still to this day cannot get an explanation as to why the cops still insisted on keeping me there because i wasn't speeding there was like i was driving in the hov lane all three of us were in the car they came to realize yep yeah, oh there's three people in the car but then it was like i still want your driver's license and your registration i still want to like pull something mask like why but i'm i'm scared because i don't know what this cop is going to do or how they're going to react so i still have my hands at like 10 and 2 and we've been trained since a kid to keep your hands at 10 and 2 so that it is visible I mean, people might take that for granted. Like who trains their kids to keep your hands at 10 and two? Because you don't want to get shot because you reached for something. More so for black males than is for females, but still worrying. My kids are in the in the back. My son is crying. Mom, what did you do? What happened? Like what, what's gonna happen to us? And that type of fear to live that way is not healthy. And nor should anybody have to live like that. When a police officer comes to approach you, you should be, you should not be in fear that you could lose your life. And this is what's happening, you know, right now with the whole Black Lives Matter. And as, as a person of color and being, and you know, day-to-day -day work, there's still feelings like there's, there's what was it, um, Corn Ferry had a stat that like 60% of black executives still feel they have to work twice as hard to be recognized on the same level as their peers. And like, why is that? Because there is there's sometimes perceptions or stereotypes in terms of what your education is, or are you smart enough compared to your peers? Or you get asked those questions more so than others. And I can give you countless examples of being a female speaker. When I show up, I will be asked time and time again without fail, where are you from? What are you talking about? I'm from Canada. Like, <laughs> what, but I, I know that's the meaning. So generally, sometimes I'll play with them a little bit and be like, oh, like I'm from LCBO or I'm from whatever company. And then the second question is like, no, no, no. Like, what's your background? And then I may say something like, oh, well, my background's in leadership development and change management and in project management. And then they'll be like, no, like you're... <laughs> You know, what's your, like, where do you live? Where'd you come from? Like, oh, it's Richmond Hill, Thornhill, like, what are you trying to get at? But they'll keep persisting with this question, which would, uh, that's a microaggression, which is to say, like, what is your ethnic background is really the question they want to ask. But why is that important so much? Because I'm just here to deliver a program and constantly having to answer those questions where all of my other peers aren't asked that. So there's implicit, you're, you're implying that I don't belong here or I'm not from here. And that's another hurdle. And that does a mind game with you after a while too, because then you almost don't want to take on certain positions because you know you're going to be asked a whole bunch of other questions. Or you can take a look like, you know what? 
whatever you're gonna ask me but i'm here to say something i have a voice and i'm gonna use it and then i have a platform to speak and that's where i choose to go so i'm gonna go and you know i had fun with that one person who kept asking me that question over and over again but generally i know what they're really trying to ask but again why am i being subjected to that and as a black as a female i think we're already subjected to another level of scrutiny over most men and as a black female there's another added layer that comes to that which other you know visible minorities can other em empathize the bigger one that is not spoken about often is a lot of visible minorities feel that how we behave will impact how others are treated so it's almost like i feel like i'm representing all black women uh, or maybe even all black people that the next person who encounters me is going to have to it's going to gauge so if my experience with them is positive then i've made it just a little bit easier for the next black person who they meet if my experience with them is negative it's a little bit harder for the next black person so that's like a, a crazy thing that goes into in our heads it shouldn't be there but then we get comments of like oh i've never met somebody who's like as polished as you and you speak so well for what <laughs> do you want to finish the sentence right <laughs> you know like so these are the comments uh, which are called microaggressions that i get uh, uh, consistently and you know so these are some added things that well, that we have to face as a person of color versus just being a woman and i think uh, even just as a woman you're dealt you get another you know people are always thinking that you you have to come up with reasons why you need a vacation or you have to explain why you should get paid more and you feel like it's a battle as opposed to most men just they just ask for it and so there's like again more layers that women have to face and then other layers that people of color have to face mm. which leads me to my very next super cool thing is that I think so many blessings have come out of COVID-19 and I look at every opportunity, how we can better make change, how we can make change for good. And actually, I'm, I'm not one to let grass grow underneath my feet at all. So, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> so as soon as this happened and I we seem to be in such alignment, um, you joined as a national ambassador of Universal Women's Network. And I know we have been, you know, that program actually has been in the works since 2018 I kind of put it out there that we were going to start developing that and it actually took two years to sort of really um, develop and it was during COVID that I'm like okay let's just make sure that we have to action this right away and so you became one of our national ambassadors just um, this 2020 this year and then in the past couple weeks we've been having a couple great conversations and I really really think it's important we launched our diversity um, logo um, you know, because I really want to be a steward of diversity and walk the talk, lead by example. And by doing so, I want to make sure that our women's organization is represented um, by national ambassadors where, you know, what, let's talk about things. Let's let's make sure that um, black women know that they have a community that will help elevate and support them. And so I've asked you if you would like to um, lead uh, our, you know, I won't say division, but lead as a representation of our national ambassadors for black women. So that is something that we have really exciting. We haven't actually publicly announced yet, but um, you know, super excited for everything that you're gonna bring to the table. Cause we're gonna make an impact, we're gonna change some Absolutely. lives and, and, and really, you know get some you know move the needle like on so many different levels so thank you so much for everything that you do on a leadership perspective as a woman um and as a woman of inspiration alumni uh, i couldn't be happier with um having you aligned with with our company and a part of our community so thank you thank you the honor is all mine like I, i'm humbled that i've been a, a woman of inspiration to receive that award to be part of the national ambassador program to have uh, an opportunity to speak to others around the importance of of being a woman of inspiration to help and inspire others to be their best and even as it relates to the black community like having somebody that just 
is there to listen, there to un- who understands. And, you know, this wasn't an easy path. It wasn't just paved and opened up, right? There's been struggles along the way. And I acknowledge that. And, and that, that has also helped to make me a better individual, more empathetic and to understand. And I'm not without privilege. I'm not without, you know, having to say that I've experienced other struggles that other people have gone through. I, I, there's other things I've never had to deal with. And I, uh, I'm very aware of that, but I would like to be able to provide an opportunity to help others where I can, whether it's through mentoring or career development or just being able to create safe spaces for people to be able to discuss their experiences and increase awareness of what you know, people of color are actually going through, especially given the recent events. Amazing. Well, thank you. I, you know, this has been a, a spectacular interview, and I always really gauge it. I let that I let the interview go where it needs to go, and so I hope that everybody listening had lots and lots of valuable information. Um, of course, um, you know, to find out more about you know, our programs and stuff for um, the National uh, Ambassadors Program and Universal Women's Network and uh, Women of Inspiration. Um, You know, it's all in our links. But I would really love, uh, you know, for those women that are watching and they're sitting here right now and they're going, I need to make a pivot. Uh, Some, you know, I'm in transition right now. What words of advice can you give them? Just, you know, find out what, where's your passion lie? Wherever your passion lies, that's where it's going to lead you to be your personal best. And you need to have supporters along the way, whether that's a mentor, whether it's a sponsor, whether it's just a friend, you, you need both, right? But you need to get clarity in terms of what is it that you want? What are you passionate about? And once you can get that clarity and then you start making, taking action that's consistent and in alignment with your passion, that's where things start to fall into play so much easier. So what could be a pet project may end up turning into your own company. And then look, you're an entrepreneur or whether it's just something that you're passionate about and you end up taking your career in that direction. And to get there, it might require going back to school or acquiring a new skill or new knowledge, but just figure out what it is that makes you want to get up every day and follow that passion because that's what's going to take you to the next level. People know when you're engaged and when you're energetic and people are will gravitate towards that energy. So know what your passion is, go for it and find people, surround yourself with people who will support you. And that's really where I, I, I see the Women of Inspiration is all about, or all about inspiring others and supporting each other. And this is why this group is so amazing to be a part of. So if you're a nominee, please finish out your your forms and, and get those in. Meet these wonderful, amazing women. And you know, if you are cons- if you're not there yet, and you're just listening to the podcast, and you're like, eh, I don't know, it, you've got time, right? You've you've got people who are here who want to help, and there's tons more that are willing to support. But you gotta have take the courage to say something and do something about it. Awesome. I think those are the perfect words to end off our Woman of Inspiration podcast. Again, my name is Monica Kretschmer, and we have just wrapped off an amazing podcast with Siobhan Calderbank, who is our 2019 Woman of Inspiration Diversity Inclusiveness Award recipient, also the Director of Talent Management for the LCBO. So thank you so much for sharing your words of wisdom and your path to success. And I look forward to continuing this journey with you. Thanks so much, Siobhan. Thanks, Monica. Bye, everyone. Bye.